Hey, Corner Office listeners, you can find us on all streaming platforms such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Instagram at the Corner Office Pod. Now enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Corner Office. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Alex Penders. And I'm Jack Byrne. And today we have a full slate for you. We're going to be talking about the Women's College National Championship that happened today. Congratulations to the LSU Tigers. And we're also going to be previewing the Men's Championship, which is tomorrow at the time of this recording, which is at 1034 on April 2nd. Um, as well as giving our microscope for the week, which is a combined microscope between the two of us. Yeah, so I'm excited to get into this conversation. Um, I know for a fact that you watched a little bit more of this game than I did, so I would like to know a little bit about what your take was because I only got to see the end of it as I was working for most of the day. But, um, you know, truly truly a great win for LSU. It's a it's a, it's a stick. This may be the first time that I've ever watched the women's tournament where a, a seed that wasn't the number a number one seed coming into the tournament actually won it um, in my recent memory. So, I mean, I, I just wanted to know what your take was on that. Well, yeah, that was my initial first thought was I was excited to actually watch this game because it was someone different than the powerhouses that we've seen for so long, like UConn and uh, South Carolina and having two different teams is really good for the game as well as having some really exciting players. And I think that uh, admittedly, I didn't watch the whole game. Uh, I also caught the end of the game though. And mm -hmm. having players who have like attitude and swagger on the court, like Caitlin Clark uh, just makes you want to watch the game. And Angel a Reese more. on that LSU oh, team. Angel too, Reese yeah. is a hooper, but all right, so let's talk about Angel Reese before we get to Caitlin Clark because the LSU Tigers did win. And the thing that I was most impressed about was the fact that Angel Reese has such a deep dribble package as a big. Yep. Like she was getting the ball yeah, in the high no, post and just going to work, hitting a spin move in the low block, and then getting her two. It was very impressive. Yeah, so she was the MVP of the tournament, as she should be. And today was also her 34th double-double, which was an NCAA record to this point um, for an entire season long. So, I mean, just fantastic play from her. I mean, we've we've already – I think everybody already knows about Caitlin Clark and how just phenomenal she has been. Like, today she had 30 points, and I think that was like an off day for her coming off 241 30, 30 and games eight. to – Yeah, that's an off day for Caitlin Clark. Like, that's just a ridiculous statement to have to make about a player – um, and I mean, I love the way that they're, they're talking, um, you know, because like, I think that that's, that makes the games that much more interesting to people who like a casual viewer who probably doesn't respect, um, women's basketball as much as they should. Well, and I don't watch the WNBA, but I, I definitely tune into women's college basketball. I think that it's more exciting. And I, I mean, just the way that Caitlin Clark came out of the gate and started strapping threes, like she went four for five from three in the first quarter. And the shots that she were hitting, know they weren't like wide open threes. She was hitting like step back off the dribble threes from way beyond the three-point line. I was very impressed by that. Yeah, you want to know what I think like makes the biggest difference between the WNBA and college basketball when it comes to women's? What is it? I, I, think, it's, I think it's the fan presence. I agree. I think that the fan presence within college basketball is just a different type of fan presence. 
and in, in men's college basketball and men's professional basketball, you see that same type of fanatic, like people care that much about professional sports as they care about college sports. But in, in CBB for, uh, for, for women, it's just like such a great opportunity to, to showcase the game to a bunch of people, a huge audience. And like, they were breaking records this year for the amount of people in attendance for games. And I think that that just makes that energy just carries through to the casual viewer. Well, and again, I think that the, like the attitude of the players on the court, which they aren't necessarily allowed to express in the WNBA makes it a lot more fun to watch. Like watching Angel Reese today at the free throw line, hit the, you can't see me like uh, Caitlin Clark did in the last game was so cold. Like that was, that was a cold Sally. And yeah, I agree. It was just, it was fun to watch. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like, it was just a really good game. And LSU handled that team. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think that I think that I knew that Caitlin Clark's run was coming to an end after they beat a weaker Virginia Tech team and um, LSU defeated, you know, that number one seeded 42 win, ga- win streak game, game winning streak team in South Carolina to get to the national championship. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> um so I think that they were definitely the more superior team going into that moment. Um, well, and, and it wasn't the objective just, was to just stop Caitlin Clark. Right, and the scoring right? the scoring on Iowa was really just Caitlin Clark. Uh, but the scoring on LSU, four of the five starters were in double digits, three of whom had 20, and mm-hmm. the bench added 25. And they put up 100 points. Correct. They put up 100 points in a national championship game. So Yes, yes, they did. Kudos to them. Uh, women's college basketball is on the rise. It's it gets more fun to watch every year. Uh, the first national championship I watched was when South Carolina hit the buzzer beater to beat UConn, I think it was that year. And ever since, I like to tune in. But this was a really good tournament and a really good game. And this is the first year in recent memory, correct me if I'm wrong, that we've seen upsets throughout the bracket in both the women and men's tournament. Correct. Yes, I think that the women's tournament and the men's tournament were much more interesting this year because they weren't just dominated by top top of the line teams that you would have initially anticipated to win the whole thing. Right, and so that brings us into our next topic, which is the men's final tomorrow between UConn and San Diego State University. And and let's talk about the San Diego State University finish. What a great comeback by them. Yeah, I unfortunately didn't get to watch this game. So, well, to be honest with I'm, you, I'm I, still... uh, I watched the end of it. Uh, as I said in our last episode, I didn't really care about it. Uh, but when I saw that the game was going down to the wire, I was like, ah, oh, might as well turn this on. Got to turn it on. And there was like six seconds left. And I was like, all right, literally we were sitting at, we were in Applebee's and we were sitting at the table and I was like, all right, game time buzzer beater right here. And the guy took a dribble to his <laughs> left. Oh, I you was... called it. Did you? Oh, you called I it. I swear I called it. Um, uh-huh. but he was like kind of dribbling in the corner. I was like, Oh geez. Oh, what's he going to do here? And then he took a power dribble to his left and took the jumper and it was so pure out of the hand. Like when that shot well, went up, everyone was like, yeah, that's in. Did you, did you hear uh Jim Nance's call on that? He was like, they have a timeout. They got down the floor. Their defensive lineup is in. They don't have their scores in is what Nance says. And then they just don't call the timeout. He goes, gotta get a shot off. And then he elevates, puts up, and it's butter. It, he, it butter. It was pure. But the, the amazing thing about San Diego State, the San Diego State team to me, is 
that they've won three of these games. Alabama, where they were down 48-39 to with 11-24 uh, left. Creighton, 56-56 to without the ball and two seconds left. Florida Atlantic, 56-42 sec- with 13-38 left. They're just the comeback kids, man. Yeah, they, and they find a way to get it done. And they're gonna have to make a comeback, I think, if they're gonna if they're gonna beat this UConn team because the way that we've seen UConn play throughout this tournament is they let teams stick around for the first half, but once they come back from that halftime break, they just pull away and are incredibly hard to defend and keep up with. And we saw that again against Miami where they were sort of trading buckets for the first half. I mean, UConn had like an eight-point lead at halftime, but, you know, it was a three-point. They point lead at halftime. Oh, they did? Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was trading buckets for the first half of that game. They went out to like a 9-0 run to start, and then Miami came back and tied it at 19-19. And then they kind of hung around for a bit, but then we saw UConn pull away and dominate the second half like we've seen them do so many times throughout this tournament. And so correct if – San Diego State is going to have a chance against this team. They're going to have to limit their scoring production out of halftime. Yeah, I agree. I think that this San Diego State team probably still is one of the best defenses in the country, which is why they have so much success. Um, But they're coming up against the UConn team who has absolutely dismantled every team they have played in the tournament this year. And they look incredibly comfortable. So I would say that they're definitely the heavy betting favorite going into this game. And they're the team that I expect to win this game. Um, they're 16-0 and outside of the Big East this year. Just to add a couple of statistics to you. They're also 20-0 and when Adama Sanogo scores 20 or more points. He was strapping so threes in the first this, half too. I know he hit two threes. Yeah. If you're the San Diego State team, to me... Your biggest focus is you got to stop Adamo Sanogo from getting in the paint and getting a bunch of buckets, and you got to stop Jordan Hawkins from scoring a bunch of threes. Well, and Jordan Hawkins' little-known fact is cousins with Angel Reese. So Angel Reese has already secured her ring. Will Jordan Hawkins be able to put up a performance and get one of his own? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, if you saw him against Miami, he was having his way off the dribble. He was having his way getting to the rack and hitting a pull-up mid-range shot. He was really doing whatever he wanted to against a fairly sound Miami backcourt. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Fairly sound. It's one of the best in the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the games that we've seen them play, Miami's had to beat them with their offense, so they're not necessarily a defensive first team. With that being said, all of those guys were good matchups against Jordan Hawkins, and he just proved to the entire country that he is... Like, that, all of that hype is real and that he really is that good of a player. And so it's going to be hard for San Diego State to stop him. Yes, I agree. I agree. They're going to have their hands full with this team, especially with the amount of shooting that they have, because usually the San Diego State team likes to likes to defend the three-point line very well. Um, they do defend the three-point line very well, but I think that this UConn team can spread them out a little bit more than some of the teams that they've faced thus far. Um but I really do think that this is going to come down to the fact of can San Diego State limit their three-point looks and keep them out of the paint because they just have so much size. You know what I well, mean? Well, right, and it's so hard to defend this UConn team because they have guys who can shoot one to five, but mm-hmm. they also have guys who can put it on the floor and drive by you. They have a lot of multi-scoring threat type of guys. So they have to be able to defend the three, but they also have to be able to recover. 
and defend the paint as well. So it's definitely San Diego State's, in my opinion, hardest matchup yet. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see how this game goes. I'm very intrigued to watch this whole thing. Um, but let's be extremely clear. I am I am definitely pulling for UConn in this one, and I definitely think that they're the better team. Uh, me too. The game doesn't start until 9.20 tomorrow, so you actually will be able to watch. 9.20? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have yeah, a late we'll night. Be able to watch. Maybe we'll do a live stream. Maybe we should. That'd be a lot of fun. Maybe we should. Let us know. Let us know if we should do that. So, with that being said, there's our preview of this game. This is going to be kind of a shorter episode because we only have one game to preview as of right now. But I'm excited to watch tomorrow. And then after that, it's NBA playoff season. So we're going to have to start watching professional basketball again. Which is good for us, I think. Yeah, me too, but it's been a little while. No, I agree. We've been off it for a bit. Yeah. I- I've completely lost track of what's going on, so... Well, all except for one team. So I'm going to kick it to ourselves for one team. in the future now with our combined microscope of the week. All right, microscope of the week. Uh, I'm going to go first. Um, this week, my microscope is that we are on our 10th episode. Double digits. Um, and, I mean, I-, I like to think that we're starting to get a little bit more comfortable behind the microphone. But with that being said... Lots of room to improve, and we've got some exciting stuff on the way, so I can't wait for the listeners to uh, to hear what direction we're heading in. Yeah. No, definitely. I don't really have very much to add to that, but I will say thank you guys so much for sticking around, as always, and um, it's been a lot of fun. So, First first batch of many. Yeah, first batch of many. Can I go to mine now? Or our joint one? Well, I'd, I'd like to think that this is our joint one. Okay. Bo- they're both joint ones this week. Okay. Let's talk about the most electrifying team in the NBA today. Some may call them. I think that before we, I think that before we, we get to the team, we just have to say that we are both beam positive men. <laughs> we're, we're, we are big beam enjoyers. We, we love the beam. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the most electrifying team in the NBA today. They got, Oh, please. They got they got a point guard who's as quick as a fox. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop with the with the that. But um we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about the the Sacramento Kings, aka the beam team of the NBA. Light the beam. If you didn't know after every win they light the beam outside of uh what arena are they? They have a gigantic purple beam. It's awesome. Like a it's it's the best thing the in the NBA. Beam. We've been keeping up with this team all year, and after each game, they have a big purple button that they bring on the court, and one of the players hits the beam button, and a gigantic purple beam shoots off into the sky. And so we are both huge supporters of the beam team. We're riding the Kings bandwagon. Uh, they're not going to win the championship because they're going to lose to the Celtics in four in the finals, <laughs> but the Sacramento Kings are going to the finals this year. Book it with the corner off. Dude, let's talk about the fact that that um, Coach Brown has completely turned this entire organization around from one of the worst dumpster fire organizations in the entire NBA to qualifying for the playoffs for the first time since 2006. 
I don't think you guys understand. You know how old I was when I was two thousand? When it was two thousand six. We were two. I was one. You were one. I was you were one. one year old. One year old. I was a year old. Who was on that two thousand sixteen? That was after Jason Williams, right? Yeah, it may have been like and Chris, Chris Weber. I don't know. It may have been Chris Weber. I'm gonna look right now. Let's look it I'm up. Looking on their basketball reference. Mike Bibby, Sharif Abdurrahim, oh. Francisco Garcia, Jason Hart, legendary team. Brad Miller, Sergi Monia. Was this the Vlade Divac team? No, he wasn't even on this team. Peja Stojakovic. Oh yeah, Stojakovic. Metal World Peace. Ronnie Price, Jamal Sampson. Yeah. Did Metal World Peace play for uh, Rick Pitino at St. John's? Did he? I don't know. That's did Rick Pitino I coach really St. Just asked you that question. St. John's before like now? Yeah, this is a reunion tour, I think. Oh, I didn't even know that. How did I not know that? Did you lie to me? I could be wrong. No, I could be wrong. Yeah, you definitely lied to me. That that definitely didn't happen. No, he, yeah, he never. Yeah, no, I did. I did just lie to you. (laughs) Totally just lied to you. Just made that up. (laughs) So, no, he didn't. He didn't do that. No. He did not. He did not coach at St. John's. (laughs) But either way, this is the first time the Sacramento team, the the Sacramento Kings team has has made the playoffs since the 2005-2006 season. So, congrats to them. Congratulations. Light the beam. We are heavily rooting for you. Dude, we are gonna turn the city of Sacramento purple. Mike Brown may is probably the coach of the year already. I would have to assume, right? I mean, the only other person that you could even throw into the conversation is Missoula, because of the way that he took over, like the whole Eme situation. Yeah, but the Celtics have been slipping as of late, have they not? I mean, if deter like depending on what your definition of slipping, and they just. They just beat the Bucks by forty. Yeah, they did. They did just do that. But they are. And they're only two they games two out of. Games they back. haven't been more than two games out of second place. Like second place is the furthest they've dropped all year. Yeah. No, it's definitely been a successful season for them, and they played fantastic. And I can't wait for the playoffs. But I'm just, I'm just making a statement here. Who would the Sacramento Kings it's one draw of those two. right now? They draw the Lakers. Oh, that is a well, tough okay, matchup. but. But. Like you can't even you can't even talk about what the Western Conference standings are right yeah, now because they're, it's they're so, so tight at the bottom. Can we talk really quickly before we go just about the Dallas Mavericks? What's happening? They're just falling apart. Have you not seen? They that? just like I haven't. No, I haven't been watching the NBA, but I've seen that they suck now. And they're aren't they out of the play-in games? Yeah, they're they're eleventh. Right well, yeah, yeah, they're out of the play-in right now. Also, uh, congratulations to the Jazz for taking our advice. I'm sure that they were listening to us when we told them to just absolutely destroy the rest of their season and blow it up. Yes, good on you. They've slipped to 12. Congratulations. Thank you for taking our advice. Thank you, Utah. Utah Jazz, you are the winners of this Clap week. Clap it up, Utah. <laughs> Gotta love it. Danny Ainge, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> friend of the show. <laughs> but the Mavericks... Uh, I mean, you would think that with the addition of Kyrie that they would have gone up, but I would just like to say that I said that uh, when he got traded there, if you look back to our episode where we talked about that, the Dallas Mavericks are the epitome of only one ball. You have to share 
one ball between yeah, two star players. Just and if they can't so learn bad. to do that, that they were going to fall apart. And that's what we're seeing right now. Their defense has and just been awful. That's like really what it is, I, I mean, think. They've won like two out of their last 11 games. And if you look at the two that they've won, one of them was a Maxi Kleba game winner against the Lakers. I forgot about that. And the other one was like barely a win. So take that as you will. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I mean, and if you look at the rest of the conference, I mean, between there's only a two and a half game difference between fifth and ninth. And there's a three and a half game difference between fifth and tenth. So all of these teams could be moving around by the end of the season Agreed. without a doubt. Agreed. Agreed. So it's really hard to put together a playoff picture. The Eastern Conference, on the other hand, is basically set in stone. Mm-hmm. Besides, like, the 8 through 10 guys, it's basically set in stone. Like, we know who the matchups are going to be. Looks like we're going to get the Heat in the first round. I don't mind that. I hate that Heat team. Tyler Hero is, like, my least favorite guy in the entire I just NBA. I really hate it because of, like, our experience as Celtics fans. Well, it would be wrong for us to like the yeah, Heat. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, like, a, I'm a Jimmy Butler. Nobody ever right? wants to see the Heat. I like Jimmy Butler too, but I I don't really like Bam. I don't really – I hate Gabe Vincent. I hate – He's like a really random guy for me to hate. I hate Udonis Haslam. Yeah, me too. I just hate him. Because uh, he doesn't do anything. Uh, I also hate uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Why? Uh, did you see that he started a fight? In the Celtics game while they were down 40. Yeah, but I like the Antetokounmpo brothers. He's just a... No, bro. Come on. He's just a cheerleader. Yes. He doesn't even do anything. I like Costas. Giannis is a dog. Yeah, you can't hate on It's it's very hard to hate on that guy. Giannis is a guy that you hate to play against. But you don't hate to watch. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, unless the Bucks start to slip here, it looks like we're going to see the heat. Um... And the Bucks are going to get the Hawks, which is a very favorable first-round matchup. Uh, a series that I am very excited to watch, if it stays the way that things are now, is the Cavaliers versus the Knicks in the 4-5 slot. Uh, that'll be a good series. Jalen Brunson. It's Jalen Brunson. I mean, time. those teams have gone at it every single time that they've played this yeah, year. I'm s- and I pray to God that we don't have to play the Cavaliers because they've had our number I know. I love the Knicks back in the playoffs, by the way. This could be its own whole segment now that now that we're diving back into it. So stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a yeah, we're going to have a playoff. You got you guys are going to have to stay tuned for more NBA stuff as we get out of college season um tomorrow, right? We're, we're transitioning out of college tomorrow, which is too bad because it's it's really my bread and butter. It's what I love. Um but yeah, now we're starting to move into my territory. I know. I know, I'm not sure that I like that. <laughs> but um, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I think that we're gonna wrap up the microscope here. No. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So I mean, this was awesome. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do a little bit of a preview before um, you know the national championship game happens tomorrow. We'll you know we'll give you some insights as to. Um, as to how that game goes later in the week. And, um, you know, thank you as always for, for tuning in and, and checking us out. Yeah. Thank you very much. As always, I'm Jack Byrne. And I'm Alex Penders. This is the corner office signing off. We'll see you guys soon. Corner three. Corner three.